Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening. The Old Testament reading that we heard a moment ago from Jonah chapter 3, especially verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this day when we gather in God's house, in the name of repentance, on this day when we come together, many with ashes on their forehead, being reminded of our own mortality, on this day, when we come into God's house and we pray that God would bless us with the gift of sorrow and certainty. That's really what repentance is. Sorrow over our sins and certainty in the forgiveness of sins by God for Jesus' sake. We turn our attention on this day to the prophet Jonah. Jonah, short little book, four chapters, 48 verses, about a 10 or a 12 minute read. Jonah, the favorite of many in Sunday school, when they hear a seemingly tall tale of a big fish swallowing a man. Jonah, we don't know much about the early life and days of Jonah, probably much like you or me. A believer, maybe in the family of believers, he believed in the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He believed that God would send a Savior, a Savior who would crush the serpent's head and take away the sin of the world. Jonah, who received a special call from God, a call to a, a new vocation, called to be a prophet of the Most High God. You would think that would be good news, right? A call to Nineveh. It would be about the modern day equivalent of Pastor Moline getting a call to be an evangelistic missionary to radical extreme Islamists in Iran with a special duty to minister to the Taliban. Shocking, huh? Nineveh, a great city, a great pagan city, a great evil city, a city that was known for its unscrupulous dealings and its thirst for blood. Nineveh, a home of great worship, anything and everything except the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. Jonah, receives this call from God, this call to go east. And what does Jonah do? 
You guessed it. He gets on a boat and he goes west as fast as he can. He thinks he's got free. He's pulled a quick one on the Lord Most High, right? But God is not pleased. On board the ship, God, the creator of the universe, the author of wind and waves, sends wind and waves. A tumultuous sea is about to swallow up the ship. The sailors are frantic. They're throwing the cargo overboard, trying to lighten the load. Each one of them prays out to their own God for deliverance. And all the time, Jonah is in the belly of the ship, sound asleep. He couldn't care less what's going on. He had no idea that there was any problem. He had no idea that he had kindled the anger of the Lord and this anger of the Lord was not only about to take him to the bottom of the ocean, but everybody on board as well. Finally, they come and they wake up Jonah. Jonah, wake up, don't you know what's going on? If you have a God, call out to him. Maybe he will hear us and save us. Jonah knows what's happening. He knows he's busted. He confesses to the sailors what he has done. And that his God is not like any of the other gods. His God is the one true God. And he has offended him by disobeying him. Now the sailors are really frightened. Jonah says, this can all be over easily. Just throw me into the sea. It'll all be over. But the sailors are more righteous than Jonah. No, we won't do it. And they rode and they rode and they rode, but it did no good. Finally, finally they cried out to Yahweh, the one true God. Please don't hold this man's life against us. They threw Jonah into the water and immediately the wind stopped and the waves were calm. And the sailors on board were full of awe and fear and they praised the one true God in faith. Shocking. But what about Jonah? Jonah got his wish. He's floating to the bottom of the sea. But God is not done with Jonah yet. God sends a giant fish to come and swallow him up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it must have been like for three days in the belly of that fish? The absolute total darkness. Can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine complete silence except for the gurgling of this fish that has giant indigestion because there's a man in his belly? For three days, Jonah pondered his fate. 
Jonah chapter 2 records 10 verses, kind of a synopsis of what, what went on during those three days. Jonah recounted the word of God, the promises of God, the love, the mercy, the care that God provides for his children. Jonah confessed his sin. Jonah pleaded for God's deliverance. He pleaded for his life. And at the end of three days, God delivered Jonah. God's word tells us that literally the fish vomited him up on the shore. Where? Nineveh. This is where our text here in Jonah chapter 3 picks up. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Do you think maybe by now God had Jonah's attention? You think maybe by now God Jonah was ready to listen? Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against. Call out against it with the message that I tell you. So Jonah went. He went with a message from God. He preached for three days. We don't know exactly what he preached, but God's word sums it up in these few words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Jonah cried out the word of God. Your sin, your violence, your idolatry has hurt not only you, has hurt not only your neighbor, but it is a stench and an offense to God. The stench has risen up to me and I'm tired of it. No more. Forty days and Nineveh will be destroyed. But that's not the only message that Jonah delivered. Jonah talked about a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, a God who desires the life, not the death of people, a God whose primary aim is to save. Call upon the Lord in the day of trouble, And he will rescue you. And you will glorify him. Jonah preached. And the people heard the word of God all the way up to the king. The king heard the word of God. Even the king was cut to the heart. The power of God's word. The king says, who knows? Who knows, maybe this God will relent and not destroy us. Who knows, Jonah knew. Jonah knew that God was a God who is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. The king called for a nationwide fast, a nationwide day of sackcloth and ashes. The people of Nineveh repented 
and believed in the one true God. The king of Nineveh repented and believed the one true God. And God relented from the destruction of the city. My friends, that is a greater miracle than Jonah being in the belly of a fish for three days. These pagans, these people who hated the word of God, these people who loved violence, they heard the word of God and they believed it. They heard the word of God and they repented. My friends, on this day, when we focus on God's gift of repentance, sorrow and certainty, we have to admit, don't we? We're a lot like Jonah. Children of God, baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus, adopted into the family. God graciously gives us his word. He tells us how to live. He tells us how to act. He tells us how to think. He tells us how to speak. He tells us one thing, and what do we do? We do the other. He tells us to go east and we go west. You know what I mean. Just recount the Ten Commandments and what God calls us to do and how we, in thought, word, and deed, do just the opposite. Time after time after time. Husbands and wives, what does God say? Husbands, love your wives sacrificially to the point of death. What does God tell wives? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. What do we do? We do just the opposite. We're jerks. We lord it over each other. We're selfish, not sacrificial. What does God's word say to parents and children? Children, obey your parents and other authorities. Parents, Love your children and do not exasperate them. And what do we do? Just the opposite. We despise all authority. We're all part of the resistance, right? We're all junior anarchists, right? And parents, instead of loving and sacrificing for their kids, love and sacrifice for themselves. And hope the kids don't get in the way too much. We could go on and on and on. God calls us, whether we are married or single, to live chaste and decent lives. And what do we do? We lust after anybody and anything. We fall for the lives of this sex-crazed world and then we act like nothing is wrong. Instead of defending our neighbor and speaking up, putting the best construction on everything, we tear down and we gossip. God's word says, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. And what do we do? We keep grudges and we hold on to it and we hate and we hate and we remember 
and then we hate some more. We're just like Jonah. My friends, today, God sends a preacher in the same way that he sent a preacher to Nineveh. A very flawed preacher indeed, both then and now. And the message is really the same. Yet 40 days, yet 40 days, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Examine your lives in light of God's word. Don't try to justify your sin. Don't try to justify your action. Come clean before God, a God who is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. If he was quick to anger, we'd all be vaporized by now. But he is slow in his return, not desiring anyone to die and for all to repent and believe the good news. My friends, it is a miracle, a God-produced miracle when someone repents. When we are sorry for our sins and certain of the forgiveness that comes in and only in our Lord and Savior Jesus. My friends, tonight God's call is for you. We begin a 40 day journey that we call Lent. But you know, this is not really about cleaning up your act for 40 days or giving something up for 40 days like you, that you really, really, really love. Or trying to be a nice person for 40 days and then going back to your old regular ways. No! God calls His children, you and me, brothers and sisters in Christ, to a lifetime of repentance. Daily dying and drowning to sin and daily rising forth in this new life in Christ called Christianity. This is a way of life. And what these next 40 days are, are an opportunity to discipline our bodies, to discipline our minds, to discipline our tongues. 40 days for God to mold and to shape us so that each and every day of our lives we live in sorrow over our sin and certainty, absolute certainty, that our sins are forgiven on account of the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, who went to the cross for all of the times we have worshipped false idols, for all of the times that we have been the center of our own universe, for all of the times we have gone west 
when God said go east for every sin and more. Jesus took that sin into himself and onto himself to Calvary's cross. Jesus dies the death we deserve. The stone cold body of Jesus was placed in the ground. He was in the belly of the earth for three days just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. And after three days, the earth vomited up Jesus. We call it Easter, the resurrection. Jesus is alive never to die again. Your sins died with Jesus on that Friday we call good. And God calls us now to live a joyfully repentant life. That's what Ash Wednesday is about. That's what the season of Lent is about. It's practice for a lifetime of repentant joy in Jesus. My friends, yet 40 days, yet 40 days, God is gracious and merciful abounding in steadfast love, desiring your life and not your death. Cling to his word today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts our minds, our lives, our repentance in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.